Marine stationed in Japan back in 2012. I was military police. One night around 2 to 3 a.m. we hear over the radio a uh, any units seeing the light over the water south? It was a marine air station based on the southern tip of Japan. We had no flights coming in or going out that night. Everyone knew there shouldn't be a light flying over the waters. So about three patrol cars met up at the airfield where there was a way better view. Sure there's a light sitting out over the water blinking slowly off and on. Some guys tried to say it was a star, so we had traffic control cameras from dispatch zoom in on it. Turns out it was slowly moving out of the cameras. So while by AO we couldn't tell it was moving, the cameras picked it up. We sat there kind of amazed for an hour before it went away. As we were getting back into the squad car I took a last look at the night sky and saw a small light dart behind some clouds in a movement that didn't make sense. I didn't tell the other guys, just thought there's no way they would believe me. Months later I was running on the sea wall and stopped to lay down and catch my breath. Again saw a light, watched it drive into some clouds and then disappear. That was around the time of the tsunami in Fukushima. Super weird. Just before the first desert storm invasion in Kuwait, I was living in South Wales. Me and my then girlfriend were doing hill walking up a mountain called Penafol, or Sugar Loaf, in the Brecon Beacons mountain range. The Brecon Beacons are regularly used for military exercises and with the Gulf War hotting up training there was becoming more common. It was a rare lovely day and we were three quarters of the way to the summit and the valley below was hobbiton like idyllic with bright green fields, woods, cottages and farmhouses, rural roads and bridges over the river running at the valley floor. All of a sudden there was a noise that I've never heard the like of before or since. A sudden explosive roar that shook the innards. Like thunder but sudden with no rumble, ab-tearing noise like some vast canvas getting ripped asunder only louder that you can imagine. It scared us both, and at first I thought the mountaintop was falling on us somehow. But it took only a second or two to realize it was the sound of a very closer by jet. I was looking up in the sky for the plane, now that my fear had subsided, and could not see where the f the thing was. Then my girlfriend tapped me on the shoulder a pointed down into the valley below where a USAF A-10 Warthog was tearing the F down the valley only a hundred or so feet of the ground practicing a strafing run, though obviously not firing anything. We sat there and could see the pilot and everything as he pulled up and flew up and around to start another couple of runs from the other end of the valley. That plane was a beast, I really never want to be on the receiving end of that thing. It was weird looking down on a jet, made you feel a bit godlike. In normal times this sort of exercise would have been strictly forbidden and confined to the big military ranges in the Brecon Beacons, but with the desert storm operations only a few days away and military preparations going into overdrive, these rules were obviously relaxed or just ignored. I was an infantryman in the army, so we got out into the field for days slash weeks at a time pretty regularly. Once we're out there doing a patrol and we came into this clearing. There were all of these dolls of various sizes, 
similar to the ones in Blair Witch Project hanging from the trees. This was out in the middle of nowhere, a good 10 miles at least from any kind of public roads. It was pretty creepy. I was on a special military operation with my squadron and securing lodging for an upcoming op in northern Afghanistan. We went to a compound with two large towers, inside them hundreds of rooms for our guys. My job was to inspect all the rooms to make sure they had beds slash pillows slash act. Thing is, this is northern Afghanistan and this compound has been abandoned for years. Not even Afghans are around here. Since there were two towers, we had security checked the area for people, once it was confirmed no one was there, I split off from my sergeant to inspect the rooms. I was on the third floor going room to room, whistling and inspecting when a door slammed. I freaked. I yelled stop. And pointed my gun. No respond. I yelled again. No response. Fear is in my voice. A round is in the chamber. I back away and as I'm making my way to the stairs another door slams. I scramble. I don't know what's up there but I wasn't sticking around. Grab my sergeant, and we both check it out. There is nothing there, no wind, no people, nothing. To this day I don't know what was up there, but I stopped going anywhere alone after that. Back in the late 80s, I was in the Ohio Army National Guard. We were having our annual training up at Camp Grayling, Michigan and were involved in a long, time-based vehicle movement. At the time, we drove M113 armored personnel carriers and I was a driver of one of them. We had been driving for close to 15 hours, with food and piss-slash-stretching breaks, with no sleep when I turned my head to the left and saw an Indian in full regalia and headdress riding a horse next to our column. In retrospect, what I find so amusing about this is that I was so tired, I didn't freak out but just smiled as though it was the most natural thing in the world. He rode next to me for about one minute and then rode off into the woods. I was a coast guard. I was standing helm slash lookout watch on a ship in the middle of the Bering Sea, completely isolated for miles around. While standing the helm watch, steering the ship, we got a sudden, very pronounced radar blip behind us. The officer of the deck rang up to the lookout, who reported seeing something making a wake, but it disappeared, due to the shape of the superstructure the lookout's fixed big eyes binoculars were blocked directly aft by the exhaust stacks. The radar blip disappeared too. Our only guess was that it was a Russian or US submarine that popped up to the surface and then dove again. Gave me a chill to know that we weren't as alone as I had thought. Another time it was mid-watch in the middle of the night, 12 AM, dark, very foggy, calm seas. The lookout came down, he relieved me on the helm and I relieved him as lookout, and he made an offhand comment, man, sure is spooky out there. Well, the rest of that watch was spent looking over my shoulder, and every time our foghorn sounded I just about jumped out of my skin. It was so calm and so foggy that nothing could be seen beyond the fog that was illuminated by our navigation lights. 
I still get chills thinking about it even though I know we were completely alone and there was nothing lurking behind me. The fact that I was on the Coast Guard's oldest ship, which had lots of ghost stories, didn't really help. I worked at the Naval Hospital in Camp Pendleton in 2013, I was part of the transition team that moved the last of the belongings, that they wanted, from their old location to their new one. Along with others on my team, we were part of the final sweep as far as cleaning up, waxing the floors and locking up some of the higher level rooms within the old hospital. It was a nice gig because there was a ton of office supplies that was going to just get thrown away along with some office chairs. I liked to draw so I took home two chairs, one for me and one for my roommate, along with a plethora of pens and paper. In my duty section there was also the security role of watching over the barracks that was just outside of the hospital. With the Navy, being the Navy, they didn't transfer anyone over to the new barracks till about a full eight months after the move to the new hospital. So someone still had to stand duty there as well as patrol the old hospital as to keep away any would-be vandals from a place they thought was completely abandoned. Of course I would end up getting duty one day and would start getting people coming into the commons area telling to go look at the hospital. There was very clearly a light on in 6th or 7th floor with a figure standing motionless watching outside. I put up a sign to say that I would be leaving the office and to call my personal number should they need anything. Usually it was just to reset their key cards, but each room had four rooms within it so usually people just called their roommates to open the doors instead of waiting for the process of me resetting their key card. It was already pretty late at night so I wasn't worried about it. I would go to the hospital and it was still completely locked all around. I checked to make sure that no windows were ajar but the hospital didn't have any that opened. I even tried to lift the back hatch that linens and new supplies came through by truck and that was still secured. I had no other way of getting in myself so when my chief came down around 2am, as they seldomly did but were required to at least once a night, I made a report of it. By this time the figure was gone but the light remained on. I was never told if they ever found anyone or if it was even followed up on for that matter. But it was one of the creepiest things I remember from being there. Military Policeman in the Marine Corps While stationed at Camp Lejeune a dispatcher got a call from a terrified wife that kids were trying to get into her house. It was a little after midnight, we thought this was just a drunken spouse call and responded not on high alert just When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kinda wanted to make sure the lady was all right. We knock on the door and announce ourselves. The woman is obviously shaken still with puffy eyes. She tells us four children with red eyes rang her doorbell and asked to come inside and when she refused they got angry the kids terrorized her for the five minutes. Her own child was put to bed and her husband was deployed. I decide to do a once over of the whole housing property and it was a whole load of nothing going on. My partner and I decide to do a little walking patrol of that housing area. In each housing area there's usually a decent sized playground as we are walking up to it we both see some kids swinging. Curfew is 8pm for young children unless accompanied by an adult on base. I'm spooked at this point and I know my partner is too. They look over at us and just stare. We started backtracking and then turned and didn't look back didn't talk about it the rest of the night either. Later on I looked up the incident online since Lejeune is famous for lots of paranormal activity and turns out the little red-eyed kids have been reported before. I had just finished my initial military training, basic, 8, a few other classes, and got sent to my first duty station. My unit was at NTC for pre-deployment training so I met up with the rear echelon. I get issued my room and spent three very disturbed days slash nights in the barracks with weird stuff happening like gear not where I left it, locked drawers being opened, the microwave turning on by itself. Stuff like that. My roommate who I knew throughout training showed up on the fourth day and I told him something along the lines of, watch your shit. Someone's been messing with my stuff and I don't know who. So the fourth night comes around and myself and my roommate secure our room and gear and go to bed. Gotta be up at 0530 for PT so it's an early night. We lock all our stuff and go to bed. I woke up around 1 cause my blanket had fallen to the ground and I was cold which was weird cause we were in the south in summer so it's always hot. I hop down to get my blanket and I notice my armoire is open so I open the lock, close it, lock it, and get back to bed. I fell back asleep pretty easy, but I woke up again at about 0230 and all my stuff and my roommate's stuff is thrown around the room. I wake up my roommate and he's pissed cause someone is messing with us and can't figure out who it is. We clean it up lock our stuff and go back to bed. I woke up a third time at 0337 and we're not alone. I can hear my roommate snoring so I know it's not him. I sat up and saw someone in the little kitchenette area with the fridge open looking in it. I was freezing again. I was about to say something as the soldier turned around. My eyes had a moment to adjust to the bright light and then I started recognizing gear like the L-shaped flashlight on his shoulder, his Alice pack with magazine holders and canteens, boots and fatigues, this dude was combat ready. As my eyes reached his face he turned a bit and I could see it. Half his head and helmet were gone. Blown off by the looks of it. I'm scared shitless at this point. He closed the fridge walked across the room keeping his bright green eyes on, opened my front door and walked out. As he exited he turned back around and said to me, be safe. I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I didn't wake my roommate up. 
I just sat up in bed for about two hours till I had to get ready for PT. 0630 rolls around so everyone is outside the barracks in formation getting ready to start PT and the acting first sergeant says, Hey, Notches, you good? Looks like you say in a ghost. I replied with, negative, I'm fine, 1SG good to go. About halfway through PT he comes up to me and asks me what's wrong because I'm visibly shaken up. I told him I was fine just couldn't sleep last night. A few others asked if I was okay and I just lied and said I was fine. I really wasn't and they could see that, but they let me be. After PT ended the acting 1SG pulled me to the side and told me to, speak freely, openly, and with all confidentiality and off the record, what is wrong? I told him that if I told him what happened he would think I'm batshit crazy. He assured me it was off record and once again said, talk to me. You seriously look like you've seen a ghost. That got an awkward chuckle out of me and I began to tell him my story and when I got to the part about his head the acting 1SG lost his mind. Who the F put you up to this? This is not funny etc etc he smoked me for about 30 minutes, made me do push-ups, mountain climbers, stuff like that, all while yelling at me that I'm a piece of crap. Finally after about 30 minutes of it he says, look at me in the eye and swear on everything that you love that you're not lying to me. I told him I was not lying. It happened. So he says follow me so I do. We get to the command office which I had never been in and they were obviously locked. He takes me behind three locked doors and three rooms I had never stepped foot in and when he opened the last door I saw it. It gave me chills. It still gives me chills, but plain as day there's the soldier's portrait behind the commander's desk. I froze and said, that's him. Acting 1SG, the guy who assigned me that room, told me who it was. He was a corporal in the unit on my unit's first deployment to Iraq and he died in an eyed attack that took off part of his head. I was the first soldier to be assigned that room since it belonged to the deceased corporal. He forgave me and I forgave him and he told me some stories about who this guy was. I deployed with that unit just a couple months later and spent 12 months fighting in that shithole. I nearly died I don't know how many times, my vehicle got hit with IEDs and rockets and it always made me think of that corporal. I survived more things than most people can image and I always felt like that corporal was keeping an eye out for me. Not everyone in my unit was as lucky as me. Three from my company didn't get to come home. My dad used to work at a military fortress. He wasn't serving or anything but his company such that it was was based there and as such they had custodial duties to the base. One occasion I remember him going on about was around New Year one year and he was working quite late so it was dark when he left. To be honest I think it was only around 7pm but the sun sets at like 3.30pm in that part of the world in winter. On the drive home he realized he'd forgotten his phone so he turned around to go and get it he parked up and walked through the glassy, over the drawbridge and through the arch which brought him into the main square from where his office was visible on the top floor of the block on the right. He noticed then that the light was still on in one of the end rooms of the office. I recall it was some kind of store room. It was odd he thought because he'd been the last one out and had locked up so his first thought was that he'd locked someone in. 
When he got up there though the lights were all off and nobody was about. He received his phone in quick order and left in a little more than a hurry. There were other happenings too which didn't involve my dad. On one occasion his boss came in one morning to complaints from the night cleaner accusing him of peeking at him from behind doors and hiding, giggling and flicking lights on and off which was obviously a surprise because he'd been at home all night. The army occupied other floors in the block, and other blocks on the camp, and often complained about loud parties from the office which never happened plus soldiers regularly seeing apparitions among countless other spooky things. I've always wanted someone to tell me they have had a similar experience to what I had but no one ever has, I was in training for the British Army in Peerbright when I was 17, the rooms were split into the sections with four beds I each, I was in the bed as you walk in through the door into the middle section to front and left. These rooms have them fire lights like in hotels that's like a single green LED that semi-light the room in the night. One night I woke up as I was lay on my side facing the door and there was this person stood by the door, man shaped no facial features or clothes just kinda eyes and was the same color slash glow as when you see someone through the black and white night vision lens. There's nothing else behind the door just whitewash walls and I know I wasn't asleep cause the morning after you can tell if it was a dream or not and I was thinking pretty logical. I just stared at it under the duvet waiting till it turned into a coat or something but it never did, must have only been 10 seconds but felt like forever. Then I started to get a bit creeped put and closed my eyes. I remember telling the boys in the morning, please tell me some else has had a similar story because I don't even believe in ghosts. I started my army career at West Point. If you've never seen the campus, it's basically a creepy gothic castle in upstate New York. Instead of dorms we have barracks which from 06 to 10 were falling apart and had no AC. My sophomore year, I was assigned to the so-called Lost 50s barracks which were supposedly haunted. I was an engineer student so I was pretty sleep deprived. I heard a lot of noises and random doors shutting but at the time I figured the ghosts can have me if they want. The engineering program at WP is miserable. Fast forward to 2011 in Afghanistan. My best friend and college roommate was killed in an ambush. The day after it happened I had a dream where we had a conversation and he told me to watch out for IEDs. He said when the road turns to loose dirt, you need to watch out. I woke up pretty sad and figured I had that dream because he was on my mind. I grabbed my gear and went on a routine convoy security mission. My vehicle struck an eye later that day on a dirt road and I ended up getting some stitches. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? 
boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When in the Royal Air Force, I was based at Scampton. This was the base where the Dambusters raid was launched from and a bomber command airfield during the war. I was on guard duty one night and had a phone call around 2 a.m. about noises coming from one of the hangars. Sent a guard to investigate, he radios back and says he can hear voices mumbling and what sounds like machinery operating and tools clanging etc etc. I got out the keys to the hangar and on driving up sure enough there were such noises going on and the occasional flickering light. We called in the RAF police dogs but the Landshark refused to go in. This highly trained attack dog lay down, whimpered and refused to listen to its handler. I went in with the guard and the RAF policemen and can only describe the feeling on entering the hangar floor as being surrounded in a cold fog that you couldn't see and a real feeling of dread, there was a real feeling of unhappiness in the place. I have never felt like that since, nor do I ever want to. We hightailed it out as it was secure and there was clearly no one there. Found out about a year or so later, when speaking to some visiting bomber command veterans, that it was a hangar used in the war for battle repairs on the damaged aircraft and sometimes were aircraft which had crew members killed in them, and sometimes it took some time to either extract their bodies or gather up the bits, would be taken to be cleaned. I have been back to Scampton since but I give that hangar a very wide berth. US Navy Submariner for 8 years. One time I fell asleep on the sub, which there is very little time for, 
and I was so exhausted I dreamt of, what I would later tell my friend the dream fish. The dream fish attaches itself to our sub when we dive deep enough, and uses some kind of brain wave ability to influence our dreams and read our thoughts, during which, while we fully realize and understand that the fish is influencing our dreams. It even communicated, I dreamed, not through words, just like, emotional suggestions? It was the craziest, weirdest dream I have ever had. Now, I fully believe this is not a real thing, but I've had subsequent dream fish dreams. Only when we were below a certain depth, I'd wake up and figure out what depth we were at during my time of sleep, which I wouldn't have bothered to look slash know before sleeping. Does this fish exist? Probably not. Fall asleep beneath the ocean waves and see if it finds you, as well. So my first assignment was to good old Yuzag Yongsan in Korea. It was originally an Imperial Japanese Army base, back when the Japanese were raping their way through the Korean Peninsula. Erk, the 8th Army HQ still had an Imperial Chrysanthemum on it somewhere. But anyways, on one of the less well-traveled corners of the base, sat what I think was a storage building for the hospital or something. Anyways, this building had huge tall walls surrounding it, and used to be some kind of special hospital when the Japanese were there. All kinds of stories about staff duty officers coming by to do checks and running into spooky stuff. Me personally? I was pulling overnight guard in the United Nations Command HQ on Yongsan. About three to four years prior, one of our NCO's non-commissioned officers, had come up to the guard, asked for his weapon, and taken it to the gazebo out back and shot himself in the dome piece. So anyways, the building has automatic front door and cameras watching the outside of the door. My friend and I see a dark shadowy figure coming up the ramp to the door at about 2 AM and we're like probably the SOG sergeant of the guard. So I step out of the guard post to brief him, and my buddy stays inside watching the camera. The automatic doors open both the inside and outside ones, and there's nobody there. So in my mind I'm thinking great, the SOG is trying to mess with us, so I pop outside the building and look around a bit, but there's nobody there. So I went back inside and asked my friend where the dude went, and he gave me a stupid look and told me that he watched him enter the building. We discussed what had happened, and came to the conclusion that it was the ghost of that NCO doing some phantom SOG rounds and I refused to pull night shift in that building ever again. So, on watch one night me and my buddy were joking around. We were given strict orders not to go beyond the ICP, for any reason. Seems fair. Well, about 20 minutes into the watch we both start shivering despite it being a warm and humid night. Maybe another 15 minutes and we hear a blood-curdling scream from the woods about 10 yards from the post. I'm talking it sounded like a woman was being stabbed over and over again. It was at least 10 seconds of straight screaming. When morning came around, we asked, and we were told no one was out and no one was supposed to be in the area except for our guys. A building way out on the north side of our base was abandoned. Water leaked in and caused mold or what not to grow. The kind that would get in your lungs and make you very sick. 
so no one had been working in this building for decades. All the office furniture was removed. Phones and everything. Building was just empty. It was also partially underground. I had walked into the building before while on post with some other co-workers. It was really spooky. Never went downstairs. Building number was 472. So fast forward a few years later I'm working as a desk sergeant dispatch for patrol at about 3 in the morning. 911 line goes off, screen says building 472. I'm like freaked the F out, my alpha she freaks the F out. I pick up the phone 911 what is the nature of your emergency? Click. We send a patrol out immediately. He's like F that. When we tell him where the call came from. He gets out there, pitch black, nothing. No lights no nothing. He snoops around, doors are locked all secured. Don't know to this day how it happened, but 911 calls came out of that building about the same time every few months. My fiancé has a really good one from when he was at West Point, the military academy. So there's a lot of haunted parts of West Point since it's so old, and tons of legends slash ghost stories told by the cadets from over the years. It was during the summer, and the place was basically empty. He was on night duty for one of the oldest barracks on the campus. All night long, he kept hearing someone walking around on one of the floors above him and when he would go up and check it out, this one room would have a light turned on. He kept turning off the light, locking the door, and then would go back down to his desk on the main floor. He said at first, he thought someone was just messing with him. But then it started getting really annoying. So around 2 AM, he gets a phone call from someone, a brigade commander or something. This guy starts screaming at him on the phone, cadet, I'm looking at Scott Barracks, not sure if it was actually Scott but for the story's sake, it's Scott Barracks, right now and I see a light on the third floor. Go take care of that light. So my fiancé, fed up at this point, goes upstairs again, unlocks the room door, and turns off the light again. An hour later, he gets another call. Cadet. This is Lieutenant Colonel Meyer and I'm looking at Scott Barracks and that light on the third floor is still on. I want you to go turn it off and then meet me at Thayer Statue to explain why you can't follow basic orders. Thayer Statue was a common meeting point for cadets, so after going up to the third floor one again, my fiancé makes his way to the statue to get chewed out by this Lieutenant Colonel and explain that the light kept going on even after he turned it off. At this point he was super creeped out and it was really late, like 3 AM, so he made one of his friends come with him so they that they could both explain to this brigade commander what was going on. They get to the statue and wait. No one comes. They keep waiting, because the last thing they want is to get in trouble for not waiting for a lieutenant colonel on top of the light. After an hour, no one came. They decide to leave. The next morning, he decided to tell his company commander what happened with the light, and mentioned that Lieutenant Colonel Meyer had called them and then never showed up to Thayer statue to talk. The company commander turned pale, looked at my fiancé, and asked him if he was sure it was Lieutenant Colonel Meyer who had called. My fiancé was like, 
Yeah, I'm sure, he yelled at me twice and made me walk to meet him at 3 a.m. About it. Apparently, a decade earlier, a lieutenant Colonel Meyer had committed suicide in those barracks in that room on the third floor. So my fiancé swears up and down that his ghost had called him that night and had kept turning on the lights in that room. Kind of similar story here, but it happened to my dad. Back in the late 90s and early 2000s he worked at Fort George, near Inverness. One cold and dark day in January he had reason to be in the office until late and consequently was the last one to leave, so he shut up shop and began to make his way home. Halfway back, whilst in the car, he realized that he'd forgotten his phone so he made a quick about turn and headed back to get it. As he walked through the portcullis into the main square of the fort itself he noticed that the lights were on in one of the end rooms of his office block which he thought to be peculiar as he was certain that he had switched off and locked up. Anyway, he headed to the entrance of the block and proceeded up the stairs to his floor, seeing no sign of anyone living, or dead, as he went. When he got to the office door he found it locked and worse still that, on closer inspection, all the lights inside the office were off. He was, quote a little unnerved, and didn't hang around too long after that gathered his things and beat a rather hasty retreat. My memory is a little hazy as to whether he said the light was on again when he checked over his shoulder as he was walking across the main square back to the car, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if it had been, given the history of that place. So I was in Afghanistan around 2011-2012 and we're all watching the predator feeds because it's the start of the shift and no patrols had kicked off yet. We see one had tracked a motorcycle carrying three people, one with a bag over their head and facing backwards. We're all getting anxious because we know it's a kidnapping and we might see this poor guy get murdered. Sure enough, they lead him out to the wood line, Afghanistan is not a desert unlike what the media portrays, and have him kneel down. They wait five minutes. Then pick him back up onto the bike. They end up in the closest town and we're getting more anxious now because they stop in the middle of the town and push him up against the wall. Then this ice cream cart is pushed into view. The guys take the hood off and hand the kidnapped guy the ice cream cart. Then he goes around the town selling ice cream. When I was in the Navy I worked in aviation. During my deployment I was on the flight deck during the day once. Now the Navy is super super protective of the flight space over aircraft carriers. Nothing comes close without alert jets taking off. One morning I look up and we all see this aircraft. Red star in the vertical stab. Just cruising along directly above the deck. They always tell us how the Russians are always testing our airspace and how we always always react. But that aircraft was just chillin', few thousand feet above our flight deck. Spooky? Not so much, weird? Yeah. I work as artillery support. I go out to the field with them and make sure they don't have to suffer through their scrapes and boo-boos. I'm almost sure that deer know when hunting season is. In season I never see them. 
Out of season they are everywhere. I crawled out of my sack one morning to find three deer in the woods behind my vehicle. Ignored them and started making my coffee and some breakfast. One of them walked up to me and sniffed at my food. I told her to F off, she tried to get at it again. I promptly swatted her face away because that's my food the deer can blow me. She snorted or whatever deer equivalent is and smacked my tray with her snout. The other two deer came and ate my food while I watched. Had to eat an MRE and watch deer eat my eggs and toast. When I was deployed to Afghanistan, one of my frequent tasks was to help the guy flying the Raven, small UAV with an IR camera on it, at night, looking for insurgents planting bombs in the roads. Usually pretty boring. One night however, we noticed a circular hot spot in the corner of the camera's view. After flying around a bit to get a better view, me and the operator were wondering what in the hell this featureless hot sphere was. In white slash cold black slash hot, this thing was solid, darkest black, and was unmoving for about 5 minutes. After which it rapidly moved down, nearly to the ground, we were flying at about 160 feet AGL, then back up into the sky and out of range of the Raven. We called up the TOC about this UFO, they said it must have been a glitch, they had nothing on satellite view in that area. When we went back to review the footage, kept on a specialized Toughbook laptop, the five minutes with the UFO and it were missing. Not a military, but a private security guy. I work as a security guard on the graveyard shift. I think most guards have all gotten the heebie-jeebies a few times on this shift. I used to work at a large semi-well-known meat processing plant. I remember it was about 2 AM and I was making my inside rounds, and I was walking down the third floor hallway. The third floor is basically just a bunch of electrical access panels and storage rooms. There are a few offices up there but for the most part there is nothing special up there. So I'm going along checking that doorknobs are locked etc making sure nothing looks broken etc then my phone chimes. I'm like who the F is messaging me this late. I pull out my phone and Therese no message. I chalk it off as a notification for an app but I don't see any notifications. Well whatever no big deal. Then about 2 minutes later my radio turns on and I hear static. Now this spooks me. No one else has access to radio at this point. I'm the only living human on the entire property and all the other radios are under lock and key inside my guard shack, also under lock and key. We wear a radio for formality mostly. I can switch it to a different channel to talk with the one maintenance guy who's there, but Hess not working this night so it's like, hmm that's a little weird. I switch to that channel and I say security to M4, are you there? M4 equals maintenance employee 4, Terry's three different guys that do it on a rotating schedule. But no reply. I hear the radio turn on again. This time it sounds like somebody is fumbling with the mic but I can't hear any words. At this point I'm like well F, guess I should go check it out. I make my way to the maintenance office. It's in the basement, the one place I don't like to go, because for one I always get weird feelings going down the stairs, and two, 
The entire basement is just a bunch of access tunnels and generators. It's pretty much a maze just beckoning to get you to be lost in. So I go down there, the whole time my radio is randomly turning on and stuff. I get to the office and as expected it's locked, lights are off etc. I breathe a sigh of relief and turn to go, thinking he'll just write this down on the daily report as malfunctioning equipment. But as I start to almost walk around the turn in the hallway, I hear the sound of the maintenance door unlocking. I stop dead in my tracks and turn around. My heart is kind of beating harder at this point. I reach for my Tatsugan, and ready it, aiming it out before me, while I go back to the office. Lights are still off. Can't see a damn thing in there. For a food five minutes I stand at the door questioning if this is worth it? Do I make enough for this kind of BS? What if Teresa criminal in there? How would that even be possible? Did someone sneak up one me? Am I going to die in a minute? I finally said damn it and pushed the door open, and reached in and flipped on the lights. Nothing. No one is in there. I look under the desk. Constantly on edge. I see nothing. I look at the desk surface, see if Teresa any notes, etc., but nothing. I start to sigh of relief and then the lights suddenly turn off and the door locks itself. I freak the F out and switch on my mag light and swing around. As I'm swinging around I see a shadow move away from the light. My eyes see it and mentally I freak the F out, but I force myself to ignore it while I fumble to get my keys out to unlock the door. To do so I have to turn the flashlight off so I have both hands. The whole time I have my back turned to the door I feel like I'm being watched by something sinister. I eventually get the door unlocked, and step out into the hallway. I turn around, flip the lights on, see nothing, turn them off, shut the door, and lock it. I look at my watch. It's like 2.30am-ish. I lean up against the hallway wall breathing heavily. My mind replaying everything in my head trying to figure out what the F just happened. I eventually give up and hurriedly make my way back to the first floor. I get back to the first floor and at this point I have no desire to go back to the third floor. I can do it some other time. So I eventually make it to the exit, and just before I walk out the door to go outside to my guard shack, the radio turns on and Therese some static and I faintly hear someone laugh. Just a short like ha And then it's dead. I yank my radio out of my pocket clip and look at it. I go to turn on the mic, to say like screw you or something, but my radio's totally utterly dead. Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Back when I was at Koningsby doing a night shift with my captain, we were in the T-bar asleep on the sofas, our sergeant was there too asleep in his office. 
Our building is locked since it's just us there. Around 2 a.m. we hear heavy footsteps that sound like someone walking down the corridor. We poke our heads out of the door but see nobody. The door to our sergeant's office opens too and he pokes his head out. He looks at us and sarcastically says ha ha very funny guys. We look at him and say no, ha ha very funny to you. At this point there's a loud sound I can't quite describe, and this heavy oak door about halfway down the corridor just slams itself shut, despite having a wooden wedge holding it open. I've never seen two grown men crap themselves like that as all three of us panic and slam both the doors shut to our rooms. We spent the next five hours until shift handover sat in the T-bar with every light turned on and the TV turned up. We heard the footsteps going up the corridor a few more times though. The building we were in was half pre-World War II. Apparently half of it was destroyed by a bomb, so they rebuilt the damaged half and left the original as it was. That large door was the divide between the two different halves.